take you behind the page now on the beginnings of the origins of um, of Iron Man, Tony Stark, and the Marvel Universe itself. Since we are charting the beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, let's take a look at the beginning of the of the first Marvel Universe, the comic book universe. Marvel Comics, and this can't be this can't be overstated. It completely changed and revolutionized the concept of the superhero. DC Comics had created largely all the traditional um, superheroes, um, Superman, Batman, Green Lantern heroes, Mm. and they were very much made in the traditional mold. The 30s, the 40s. Strong, confident men with power who knew how to use that power to get justice and were just sort of inherently heroic. Um, just inherently had all the things that the person needed to be essentially a perfect hero. When Marvel comes along in the 60s, it's a time when superheroes have fallen out of favour and out of fashion. Mm. Um, there's been a moral panic um, led against them by a book called The Seduction of the Innocent. There were burnings of comic books and there were Senate subcommittee hearings about whether they should be banned and regulated and everything. And The 50s... We're a dark time for comic books, and an awful lot of... In general, though, after the Second World War, people weren't that interested in superheroes. Like, Superman and Batman kind of hung around and, and stuff like that, but all the a lot of the other characters kind of just vanished. The original Flash, the original Green Lantern, they just never really took off again after that point. Um, in the 50s... The superhero and 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 the, and the sixties DC comics have been so neutered by the Comic Code Authority and its stringent um, its stringent kind of strides against any violence and action in comic books that Superman and Batman have become very comical figures um, hmm. and all their adventures were based around funny happenings and and uh, getting transformed into gorillas or. <laughs> Aliens disguising themselves as it, it was a very silly odd time. Um, Marvel comes along in the sixties and they create a series of superheroes that are plagued with emotional problems and have these things that give them dramatic and emotional weight. So heroes that were all emotionally vulnerable, racked with self doubt and guilt and anxiety and going through existential crisis. The Marvel Universe is built on this rich vein of human emotion that simply is not present in any of the DC superheroes at this point in time, the 1960s. Superman and Batman always knew what to do to beat the bad guy, to Mm. save the day. Um, And at this stage, they really had no many layers of depth or complexity. Iron Man comes along, and he is this broken, tragic figure who is, in his own eyes, a monster, certainly in the first issue, a monster that should hide himself away from the world. In 1963, the character first appears in an issue of a science fiction anthology series that Marvel published called Tales of Suspense. Mm. Um, He's not given his own comic book, um, his own starring role, because no one at the company knows if the character will be popular, will connect, will have an audience... 
Um, but they decide to give half the comic of Tales of Suspense to this Iron Man character, certainly for one issue, to see how it goes. Um, <laughs> there are many chefs in the kitchen when it comes to creating Iron Man, chiefly Stan Lee, who comes up and conceives the original kind of concept of the character and the original story. And he was all set to write the first issue, but due to a scheduling conflict, Stan has his younger brother, Larry Larry Leiber, write the actual script. With um, Stanley goes on to write kind of future scripts. So um, Stanley and Larry Leiber, the two brothers, kind of uh, are the master, the, the, the writing master of that first one. Um, the Iron Man character is designed by Jack Kirby, who designed freaking everybody, the fanta- all the Fantastic Four and Captain America and um, Ant-Man and Giant-Man and Hulk and all of this. And he drew the front cover to the first um, Tales of Suspense, issue 39. So he's the one that conceives of and designs the first look of Iron Man. But then the inside artwork um, and the design of Tony Stark is done by another artist called Don Heck. Um, This design, however, is not the famous... If you think of Iron Man right now, you're picturing the red and gold, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always picture that. Um, That's not what Iron Man looks like to begin with. It's this massive, bulky, clunky armour. It's grey. It looks monstrous. It looks looks kind of medieval. It looks like a a knight of armour, you know, a big, bulky... Yeah, armoured knight come to life. Mm. Um, Later on, the same year, artist Steve Ditko, who co-created Spider-Man, he redesigns Iron Man to make him sleek, slender, and creates the red and gold colour scheme that endured from that point through to the present day. Um, So he really needs to be name-checked in the, the, the creation of this popular character. Um, Stan Lee has said that he based his uh, his Tony Stark's kind of appearance and looks on on Howard Hughes and his personality, um, saying Howard Hughes was one of the most colourful men of our time. He was an inventor, an adventurer, a multi billionaire, a ladies' man, and finally a nutcase. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Good old Stan. Um, famous writer Jerry Conway um, weighed in about the Iron Man as a character and he said here you have this character who on the outside is invulnerable I mean just can't be touched but inside is a wounded figure Stan made it very much an in your face wound his heart was broken literally broken but there's a metaphor going on there and that's I think what made the character so very interesting Um, Tony Stark when he's first introduced as a huge unapologetic capitalist and anti-communist. All the early Iron Man stories are pro the war in Vietnam, pro the US military, anti-communism, pro-capitalism, and they're all based around Iron Man protecting rich Tony Stark's businesses, smashing communists, and making sure Tony's weapons can be sold to the military to kill people. Um, And so much of early Iron Man stories, like a fight off commie spies and saboteurs and stuff, or building new weapons to help the military in the Vietnam Mm. War. And this is being published in an era of, of huge political and social upheaval. Um, brave, very brave. Where, well, we'll get on to that. Yeah. Where young people are <laughs> protesting against the Vietnam War, against the military, against the politicians and the political culture. Counterculture movement is a huge part of Marvel's audience in the 1960s. And these stories flew in the face um, of these people's powerful beliefs. There's an interview on the original DVD for this Iron Man movie where Stan Lee says, I think I give myself a dare 
It was the height of the Cold War. The readers, the young readers, if there was one thing they hated, it was war. It was the military. So I got a hero who represented that to the hundredth degree. He was a weapons manufacturer. He was providing weapons for the army. He was rich. He was an industrialist. I thought it would be fun to take that kind of character that nobody would like, none of our readers would like, and shove him down their throats and make them like him. And he became very popular. That is such I don't want to use the word brave again but that is just such like a and it's nice when you set yourself a personal creative challenge and you go you know what I'm going to do this I'm going to see if I can do this I don't believe him Um, I don't believe him as always with Stanley takes Stanley quotes you have to take everything he says with a grain of salt he is a massive self he's you know what a carnival barker is oh is it the person roll up roll up see the chicken that's the carnival barker stanley's yeah. number one job at marvel is the carnival barker right he's a he's a massive self-promoter and a marvel promoter he's very good at blending the truth to fit a positive successful narrative yep. and he's also an old man who forgets things right <laughs> more importantly and at some point case. he's been he's been telling the story for so many decades it, he it's the truth to him i don't believe this quote i don't believe stanley thought it would be fun to make a character who would be unpopular and go against the grain of the kids reading the comics i don't just think thought, that was thought, a decision he just thought the character would be he, he thought he was just a neat idea for a character end of story yes yeah. I, I i i don't think he thought it was going to be unpopular i think he thought it was going to be popular I think he thought, as you would do about the Second World War, our brave soldiers are fighting a war. We'll do a pro-military comic, a pro-war comic. Yeah, you know, it, who you know, it'd be the rah-rah thing that we did in the forties. It'll be that yeah. all over again. Um, be, and because uh, part of why I don't believe this is because as protests ramped up, anti-war sensibilities ramped up, public opinion was very um, noticeably against the war. Stanley changed tax completely, and Iron Man <laughs> stories completely ditched the overt pro-war stance and just start to focus on more harmless sci-fi stories. Mm. And that, I believe, is 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 what went on. They changed tax because they went. I think we made a mistake here, lads. Um, Later in, in the same year, 1963, Stanley and Jack Kirby include Iron Man in their new superhero team, the Avengers, um, which helps to boost the character's popularity and serves to position Iron Man as the central figure and leader of Marvel superheroes. And he gets that role almost by default, for the same reason he's the lead in the MCU by default. <laughs> because the most popular in the comic books, the most in the movies, it's because Marvel don't own the rights to X Men, um, Spider Man, or Hulk. In the comic books, Iron Man is the central superhero figure because the most popular heroes, Spider Man and the Hulk, are both like outcasts, vastly unsuited for leadership roles and to be there in charge. So yeah. they can't, like Spider Man can't need the Avengers, the Hulk can't need the Avengers. Iron Man is the bronze medal winner. <laughs> <laughs> that accidentally gets bumped up to the front of the of the in front of the press because the others are not able to. By 1968, the character proved popular enough to get even his own comic book series called The Invincible Iron Man. So you'd have the Incredible Hulk, the Amazing Spider-Man, and now mm. the Invincible Iron Man. Um, and he's remained a central figure in the Marvel Universe ever since. Um, Tony Stark 
begins life as a deeply vulnerable and emotional character. Mm. Literally moments from death the entire time. A man with a shattered body who wraps himself in a metal shell. Which, yes, is a powerful metaphor. A man with a broken heart who pushes away the people he cares about and loves to protect them and protect himself. And it's important to always remember that the very best Iron Man stories have sought to balance the sheer badass nature of a guy flying around in a wearable tank blowing (laughs) stuff up with an emotional vulnerability that plays at its core. Thanks for joining us as we revisit some of our favourite moments from Marvel vs. Marvel. Don't forget our full-length episodes are jam-packed with hours of Marvel trivia, behind-the-page, behind-the-scenes, and comic book Marvel history.